This is Power Players with Dan Clark. That's Dan Clark. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark. Another exclusive episode where I have an opportunity to interview a University of Utah student athlete. You know, coming out of high school, everybody assumed that I was going to go to BYU. My uncle was J. Reuben Clark and had the family pressures and the expectations of lots of the coaches that were recruiting me to kind of back off just thinking it was a done deal. And I've always wanted to be a Ute. So I proudly play football and baseball at the University of Utah. I bring that up because today's guest is no stranger to Utah sports, no stranger to the University of Utah. And I had the privilege and honor of uh, chatting with the amazing Kennedy McQueen last year. And I brought up my preamble because her mother was a basketball superstar at the University of Utah. So I assume that you had that family pressure. You know, I'm sure your mom probably hid some recruiting letters <laughs> and didn't tell you about the coaches calling your home saying, no, I'm sorry, she's already committed. No, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong number. No, no hablo espanol, you know, just playing everything I can imagine. So proudly, just to bring everybody up to speed, Kennedy was three-time All-State basketball player and I believe two-time All-State volleyball player at North Summit High School in one of the more beautiful places outside of Salt Lake City up in the mountains in a place called Hennifer, close to Eden, which is appropriately named because it's like the garden. Right, right. And one of my dearest friends, Monty Powell, he's a Grammy Award-winning songwriter has so many number ones with Tim McGraw and especially Keith Urban. That's good, good country. And uh, I remember, you know, going to North Summit High School and the tradition and the, the support of your community. So let's cut to the chase, my friends. So you you were recruited by a gajillion schools because coming out of high school, you were ranked in the top 100 by Gatorade, but in, in your position, you were ranked 18th in the nation. And yet you still chose to come to the University of Utah. Was the Utah women's program great at that time? I mean, we have a tradition that goes back a long ways, but it seems like that we've only taken it to the next level since you've arrived. So maybe you're one of the, one of the reasons, you know, one of the saviors of the many multiple superstars that we're proud to, to to call Utes, but talk to us about your journey to the University of Utah because you had so many other opportunities. Yeah, I think growing up, yes, my mom played at the University of Utah, so I was a huge Utah fan. I remember coming to football games, men's and women's basketball games, volleyball games, you name it, I was at everything. Um, so grew up a huge Utah fan. Um, so yes, that was always the goal was to go to Utah, but then once I started getting these other offers, I'm like, wait, I have choices to make like it's not just Utah anymore um so I remember getting it to my top three and it was Utah Gonzaga Texas Tech and I was like I really like these programs I'm a really homebody I like being close to family my support system so that also played a role in choosing Utah not just because my mom played there but that was also a big piece just being able to finally live out that dream I had growing up um so you came to Utah in 2019 yep and what was the Utah women's basketball program? What, what state was it at at that particular moment? Yeah, I remember they had a few big wins that I remember witnessing. But to say they were consistently doing well, not that I can remember. So there was some, there was some work to be done. And Coach Roberts, when I first committed, she was like, 
I have this vision and I'm done with um, losing seasons. Um, I want to turn our program around and she felt like I embodied what our goal was and that I was going to do everything to make that happen. And just having the opportunity to play in the Pac-12 as a competitor myself, what a better stage to do that on and turn that season. Um, the program around just by playing in against the top competition every day. So when you came to the U, you got some action as a freshman. Yep. So what was that like going on to a bigger stage? So you played in the 2A state championship. Obviously, you were the MVP of Region 16. And I didn't even have to look up your uh, your bio very much because uh, you just stood out as this homegrown you. And I'm so <laughs> proud of you, Kennedy. You're just <laughs> one of the you. great young young people, men and women in our state and in our at, at our University of Utah. We love you. We honor you so much. But still, having played in those big games, the state championship game, all the pressure on you, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's almost like you're Caitlin Clark, you know, <laughs> right? you're like, everybody looks to you, they have these high expectations. So was that easy to transport, I'll use that word, from superstardom as a high school player to a larger stage at the University of Utah? Or, I mean, was it just natural? You were just kind of used to that? Or what was the difference between high school and college? Yeah, I would say there was a big learning adjustment for me. Um, thank goodness for club, just to put that out there, because without club, one, I wouldn't have gotten to the level I'm at now and had those opportunities that I have, but also just the keys that I learned from the great Keith Van Horn. Yeah, um, she, for the record, so she played in AAU basketball in Colorado, and Keith, yeah, he was one of our superstars, and we used to have the basketball players over to our house for dinner, and okay, Keith cool. would come, so we knew all those guys, Michael Doliak, and right. the, the world, and Keith, I mean, great, great coach, wow. Yeah, he, he was awesome to learn from, and what an amazing person to add on top of that, but just being able to learn from him in club, I also think helped me um, transfer my skills and mindset over to the college level. But, yeah, it was a big learning adjustment. I mean, going from 2A Utah basketball, high school in general, obviously there's a big change going to that next level. But high school is specifically Utah 2A. I mean, there's some drop-off in skill there. So one thing that I was able to um, learn to transfer over was the only person that's going to push me in high school really was myself. I could yeah. easily have settled and been like, oh, I'm okay with these um, mid-major offers, like, that's already cool being from where I'm from, like, that's not heard from, heard of, but I just had bigger goals than that, and I think coming into that, like, my parents were a big, um, had a big impact on me in that way, and just, like, can dream big, like, no matter where we're from, like, little town, no one believes that that's possible, like, why not you, like, it can happen to anyone, it. why not you, um, and that was one of the big reasons that I did choose to go to Colorado Premier. I played on some local club teams, and that's where I was getting that mid-major exposure. But to me, that wasn't enough for me. I believed that I was better than that, and Utah was the goal, um, playing at a high power five level like that. So making that jump to play for a club team based in Colorado, like that wasn't an easy commitment. I missed out on a lot of things in high school that looking yeah. back, like, I don't regret it, but there was some things I was like, dang, I wish I could have gone to that. But instead, I'm in Colorado for the weekend, practicing, driving. So it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Yeah, exactly. It's not the size of the town. It's the size of the dream. That's <laughs> profound. Right. I love that. This episode of Power Players with Dan Clark is sponsored by the University of Utah Marketing Department. Obviously, 
a very proud sponsor of University of Utah student-athletes. So, you know, I've got these, um, these two nephews and a son, Danny Jr. I'm so humble I couldn't think of another name. And, uh, and Josh Clark and Christopher Clark. And they are just such huge fans. They remember every statistic about everybody. And they're always on top of the recruiting game. Okay. And they will call me, hey, Uncle Dan, hey, Dad, we've got this new recruit we're looking at. Check out his video. And I'll watch it, and I'll immediately say, but what if he rambled for 92 yards playing against the School of the Blind? Right. I always want to evaluate the level of competition to right. your point, Kennedy. So, you know, we always hear, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I want to make sure that everybody I surround myself with is better than me. Right. Because that's the only way I'm going to get smarter, stronger, faster, whatever I have to do. So that was your mindset coming out of high school that you forced yourself to surround yourself with people who maybe had even a more more finely tuned skill set that would push you so that you could actually see that even though you're a two-way superstar, your skill level was at a five-way star. Right. Uh, status, which gives you confidence, right? Right, exactly. And just speaking to that point, something that my mom always taught me was like going into college, she's like, Kennedy, you're not going to be the most skilled player there anymore. Like you're going to be surrounded by not only the people that have been there three years longer than you have more experience, more talent, but she's like, one thing that you can do no matter where you've come from, your experience is be the hardest worker. And to this day, like I'm in my fourth year, and that it would be the easier choice to not show up and work hard every day because that's easy. Like, I've, I've earned my spot. Everybody knows what I can do. But just having that instilled in me from a young age and knowing that I don't care if I'm the most skilled player on the floor or whether I'm not, like, one thing that's always going to be consistent is my, um, my work ethic. And I think I've done a really good job at going in every practice, every game with that mindset. Yeah, that's your reputation. Yeah. So there was an interesting question I asked a huge audience. I was speaking to some athletic directors, the State Athletic Directors Association. I said, okay, so I want to poll. Do you work on your strengths? Do you work on your weaknesses? Uh, And what do you think champions do? So what's your answer? And then I'll give you the national statistic of what they've actually discovered. Before these past two seasons of playing under Coach Rob, I think I would have said I work on my weaknesses more. But now the past two seasons, like, we have end-of-year meetings, and something that she's always told us is, like, really focusing on those strengths. Like, because everybody knows, for example, take me. I'm a great shooter, and everybody knows that. So being able to expand not only just being a great catch-and-shoot shooter, but being able to take that to another level and another strength of, okay, now off the dribble. Um, so I think things like that. So I can see that definitely going both ways, but I feel like my answer has changed to being work more on my strengths. But I would have said weaknesses two years ago. Yeah, that's, that's the national statistic. Most champions at the top of their game continue to work on their strengths. And so in the business world, we, 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 we play our strengths and we hire our weaknesses. So we mm-hmm. surround ourselves with the, the people who can play. So in other words, they with your skill set and your mindset and your mental toughness, they could play you at any position. They could put you at center. But if you have a little taller, little little stronger right. person to play center, why in the world would they stick you there right. when they can just play on your strengths? That's a great point. Yeah. So the beard, 
in the NBA. He's famous for creating that separation between the defender and he steps back with the three or he steps back with the two. And I've watched your skill set. Did you always, were you always able to create that space to get your shot off in high school or was that something you developed once you got to the U? I mean, in high school, yeah, I definitely could. And it, it didn't take as much effort in high school to get that shot off. One, I was taller than most other guards. Um, I was taller than our own post, like our five player. Um, so I was always taller than most of the guards we played. So one, I already had that height advantage. And two, I was more athletic, quicker, smarter, that I was able to easily, like, do I want to do a step back? Sure, this time down I'll do a step back just to work on it. Like I kind of could get away with anything that I wanted to. And that's something that has changed since being in college. Like now everyone, everyone knows, and especially losing Gianna this year, um, who was a big part of our team, now I get the privilege of having that best defender on me. And, yeah, things got a lot harder. So even this year has been a huge learning adjustment for me that now I get the best defender who knows how to guard me, um, knows my go-tos. So being able to learn how to adjust to this season has been tough, but something that, like, I've loved learning to do. Like, it's brought me to be in the gym more because now I'm not just going to get catch-and-shoot shots thanks to something G created. Yeah. Like, now it's like, okay, now I have to be the creator, which I was in high school, but I've never had to be that in college. So that that's something that I've kind of had to go back to that mindset of, oh, shot clock's winding down. I need to go get the ball, where before yeah. it what hasn't been me. So in high school, I played football, basketball, and baseball, and I would be in great shape playing football. And as soon as basketball season started, I was in lousy shape because I was using different muscles. Right. So do you ever did you ever in your amazing career get into the CrossFit a mindset where when we're talking strengths and weaknesses, you said, okay, so what can I do in the gym? What can I do in in PT to strengthen this part of my body to maybe give you more of a more of a vertical or you know when I talk to young folks young players I coached high school for six and a half years at Skyline you know if you're right-handed just brush your teeth and eat with your left hand do crazy little things you know if you're a receiver you know take piano lessons strengthen your fingers do crazy crossfit kind of stuff to cross pollinate so coming into the U program now that you've been here for a while did you work on your weaknesses, you know, in the weight room, weaknesses in your your mental game, weaknesses? Maybe you were you were better dribbling with your right hand than with your left hand. Now you have no weaknesses. I've watched you. <laughs> you know, you even have the, 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 the Allen Iverson crossover. Good for you, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, but tell me about coming in because I want everybody listening to this to know that even though we work on our strengths, Sometimes we have to work on our weaknesses that will illuminate or strengthen our strengths in the process. Meaning, if 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 I watch film and you always go to the right, that's pretty def- that's pretty easy to defend. I just right. step down and force you to the left. Right. So t- teach us about that. What you know, you say you work on your strengths, but obviously, I bet if we watched film together from the time you walked on the floor as a freshman to right now, you would say that's better. That's much better. Thank God that is really good. <laughs> right. No, that's that's totally right. So first of all, I would say my dad was the first one that told me, like, Kennedy, like, you've gotten to college and you had a great left hand in high school. Like, why have you stopped using your left hand? Like, you're great at it. And I was like, true. Like, I didn't realize, and I'd watch them film back. And I'm like, why did I try and shoot that layup right-handed? Like, trust your left hand. And he was like, Ken, just to gain some trust back in it. Like you said, literally he told me, brush my teeth with my left hand. Ah. Like, do everything I can with my left hand that normally I'd do with my right. Eat. 
use my knife, switch the fork and the knife, which one I usually hold. So things like that. And the, the first little bit that he told me that, I was like, like, what is that? That's not basketball. Like, so my young mind's like, whatever. And now I started doing that like two years ago. And I have noticed such a difference with my left hand just in that little bit of time where it's like when I consistently do that, I have more trust in my left hand. So that would be the first one I said. would say volleyball is another big thing that I have noticed a ton of overlap between basketball and volleyball, whether it's from getting my vertical. I think a huge point for me in high school was I was knew I was going to be shorter going into college um, for my position. I'm just like, yes, I was tall in high school, but not in college. So, yeah, if I can increase my vertical, um, I knew that was going to help me. So that was a big focus for me. And volleyball, just learning the timing of things, whether it's transferring blocks or, like, just footwork things that I've noticed. I'm like, hey, I kind of did an approach in volleyball like that. I can kind of transfer that to a move and a layup. So I've noticed things like that. And then just overall just getting stronger. When I entered college, I was just a small little freshman, puny, but lengthy, um, so just looking back on, like, I see some freshman photos. I'm like, wow, Ken, you were skinny and not strong. And now it's like I can go for a layup and kind of use my body where I wouldn't have been able to do that. So funny. Coming out of high school, I graduated. I was 6'3", 172 pounds. I was so skinny, I had to jump around on the shower to get wet. And I grew two and a half inches taller and gained 87 pounds in the first two summers after high school graduation. That's why they moved me to linebacker defensive end. Wow. So my body changed, and obviously yours has yeah, well strengthening your muscles. This episode is brought to you by the University of Utah Marketing Department. Obviously, a wonderful and proud, consistent sponsor of University of Utah student athletes. So let's get to the mindset game. So last year was so exciting for Utah fans, so exciting for you, and the anticipation of the season when we interviewed you on the podcast the timing was just as you were kind of getting into the flow of the post postseason right and so tell us what happened so you beat and you're gonna have to to make sure my old mind is still working you know I'm a dumb football player my cholesterol counts higher than my <laughs> SAT scores so to my recollection you beat LSU in the in the regular season what and and then you face them again and you lose or what? What was the was the case? I'm looking at your eyes like Dan. Did you smoke medicinal marijuana? <laughs> Where did you come up with that? Teach me what happened in the in the postseason. So we didn't play them in the preseason. I wish we would have, but we didn't get the chance to play them in the preseason. But we hosted for the first two rounds, played Gardner Webb and then Princeton, um, beat them both, and then we traveled to South Carolina to play LSU. Yeah, and that's where we lost. Yeah, so. For some reason, I thought you would beat them earlier in the year or something like that. But no, I that guess, would have made the story better, though. That would be I exciting. know. So let's just re-record this and just make it up. Yeah, this is great. No. So, and we all watched that game, and I wish I had been there live. So take us through that game because clearly you matched up. Clearly you could have beat them. Clearly you should have beat them. And so take us into that Take us into that game, and then take us into the halftime talk, and then take us into what Coach Rob said afterwards. Yeah, so first of all, that game was a heartbreaker. It still hurts to talk about, but we'll talk about it for here. <laughs> um, going into that game, I personally, I don't feel like my teammates had any doubt we were losing that game. Like that point of the season last year, we were playing with so much confidence, so oh, much yeah. swagger. We believed in our team, um, one through five, 
bench players, like we knew what everyone's role was, and I think that's what made us so good come that time. Everyone just bought in and was just focused on team success. Um, some of the most fun basketball I've ever played was last season. That was really fun to be a part of a team like that. Um, so, yeah, coming into that game, we had so many opportunities to win throughout that game, and I feel like that's what makes it more frustrating. Like, in my my own mind, I keep thinking of this one rebound that was like maybe 10 seconds left in the game, and it went through my hands and another one of my teammates' hands, and then it just got tipped at the right time, took the wrong bounce, went to LSU. So we wouldn't even had to get into those free throws, anything like that, if we could have just had that rebound. So one, just looking back at little things like that, I'm like, if only that wouldn't have bounced that way, like I would have had that. Um, so just frustrating to look back on that. But just we matched up with them so well, yeah. and I really like – the game ended, and after the game, we were all, like, in shock a little bit. Like, I thought we were going to win that game with three minutes left. I don't even remember what the score was, but I remember the confidence. Like, I really thought by how that game was going, we were going to win that game. Um, we stuck with our game plan, made the people shoot that we wanted to shoot. Um, and, of course, the person that we wanted to shoot for them, like, had a great game. Like, she couldn't miss with that mid-range. I'll never forget that. That just seems to always happen to us who we want to shoot. Yeah. make them shoot always has their best game so that's a little frustrating but um just things like that halftime I remember we were just told like we're playing great basketball what like, was the score didn't seem like we were ever out of the game ever no do you I remember if we were behind or ahead at halftime honestly I like, can't even remember that but it seemed like we were ahead by how the I want to say we might have been ahead because of how the halftime speech went like it was just like keep doing what we're doing like yeah. there was maybe some minor corrections but it wasn't like what are you doing, guys? Like, show up. We're in March Madness. There was none of that. Like, so I just think it was little adjustments, and we're winning this game. I remember that being a main thing. Like, we cut 20 more minutes, go out and win the game. Yeah. So then what did Coach Rob say to you after the game? Yeah, I think she was in a bit of shock herself. Um, and coming from the season before that when we lost to Texas, mm -hmm. um, she still always quotes, like, seeing the look in our eyes after that game that we were so determined. Um, so I think we were all a little shocked fast forward a year losing to LSU um, because like I said we had so many chances to lose that game and being out on that court for that for that game like just how it felt how everyone was playing on my team seeing the look of LSU players like it really it just felt like we had control of the game until the last 30 seconds and then it just didn't end up going our way so that was a really frustrating loss heartbreaking so when you equate that to life we just have to control what we can control and relax and not worry about the things we cannot control like you said the bad bounce the fate yeah the, the exactly. unluck, unluckiness so how do you recover from that how do you uh, how do you start this season with a completely different attitude that yes you're going to take it all the way to the end now yeah I think just just that mindset and getting the taste of that getting that far in the tournament the sweet 16 and knowing that that LSU was the team that went on to win the national championship like if that just didn't give us the confidence that we were right there and should have won that game, like coming into this season, everything was more focused. From We had our offense down. We were returning all the starters, um, key role players, brought in some great transfers, freshmen. Um, so our main core was still there. So it wasn't so much like relearning our offense. There was a little bit of that for the new people, but just really dialing in on, okay, we have this motion offense down. Like, let's really pick apart like what we want to get in that offense. So it was more keyed in on some key players, some key key moments, what we what looks we want to get. 
So I would just say overall, just more focused, more determined. I mean, if that didn't motivate you as a competitor, like, I don't know what will. Like, just to get that taste to know that I really think if we could have beat LSU, I mean, of course, it's easy to say this now, but I really think we would have won the championship. So there's a lot of feelings associated with that, but returning that core group this year, like, why not? Like, we can go and do that again and now just with more experience. Yeah. So what do you say to uh, to young men and young women who are who have an opportunity to be a multi-sport athlete like you were when the influence nowadays is to stay focused, be a one-sport person, and it goes back to our CrossFit, cross-pollinization mindset. What do you say to parents who have very athletic daughters like you? Should they enroll them in soccer, you know, you wish you had been a gymnast until you were 11 or something like that. I had two daughters who were, you know, state champion gymnasts. Their, their coach was Missy Marlowe, who was an All-American from the U and won the, the uh, all-around competition national championship. And to see what that did to help them develop their muscularity and their sense of body and balance and all those things. Do you recommend uh, that young athletes participate in more than one sport like you said what what how your body developed just as a, a recourse of volleyball obviously helped you on the basketball court maybe more than you ever knew right yeah I would say a thousand percent do it um looking back one to me it brought me more friendships more relationships that I never would have got if I wouldn't have played another sport also which I think is another th- key is burnout is real as an athlete and if you're doing one sport year round like think about if I look back at me in high school I'm playing high school basketball for what how many months that that is four months five months whatever that is and then most of the time then I go into club all summer and then once club ends then it's like basketball season's already back so to give me a little break from that like I remember going it was I was in eighth grade, and they were having a volleyball, like, camp, and I was like, I've never even played volleyball. My mom was like, just go try it. And I'm like, okay, like, basketball is my thing, but, like, this won't hurt. And I tried it, and I absolutely loved it. I'm like, how fun is this? Like, I've never had anything besides basketball. Like, this is fun. Like, I've never moved that part of my body before. Like, this is fun. Um, So just getting to do that, and then, yes, the skills, the muscles, it works. Like, volleyball, whatever other sport you're playing it works different muscles than the other sport um so just one like it's growing your body and fitness in a different way than doing one sport could and two just being able to take a little bit of a break not throughout the volleyball season a thousand percent I was in the gym at night shooting all throughout the season but to just not have to go like basketball high school basketball practice then go home homework and then go up to the gym with my dad and more basketball instead it was okay volleyball practice that's a fun break like and it was something that I've never done and so it was so much to learn where basketball can be like oh great I got to go shoot again which uh, you love as a competitor but just to be able to do different things different movements different people like it's just a fun break and growing up I did gymnastics until I was sixth grade maybe very very cool and I loved it I loved gymnastics then I switched to volleyball and basketball and like yeah I think in high school it made my high school experience more enjoyable but it just if you're committed enough as an athlete you're going to make time for both and mm-hmm. the other sport um, you're choosing to just do more for fun or just to be a competitor is going to benefit you in your main sport so I would a thousand percent recommend it I love it 
Okay, so let's go back to uh, your AAU experience. You live in Utah, but now you're going to play for Premier out of Colorado, and you said that that forced you to leave friends, opportunities, school dances, you know, weekend parties, your family, and the circle continues on. But I'm such a fan of champions. You know, I've interviewed some of the biggest names in the world, as you can see on my website. And when someone like Tim Grover... You know, who's, who's so intense, you know. He was the mindset coach for, for Jordan and for Kobe and D. Wade and Tiger Woods, these guys. When he asks someone to describe happiness or happiness and they say, oh, you know, you know, wonderful, blah, blah, he goes, no, when you ask a champion to describe happiness, they say sacrifice, pain, suffering, and everybody talks about work-life balance, and that's a that's a that's an inconceivable notion because that's an either-or proposition. And what you're saying, it, it needs to be an either-and proposition. But obviously, every time I've talked to you these two times, and then watching you and checking you out, you didn't want a participation trophy. No. And I learned from Muhammad Ali way back in the day as his house guest, there's a difference between training to fight and training to win. And you, ever since I interviewed you the first time, that's all you want to do is win. You don't want to just participate. You don't want to just make a team. You don't want to just go to practice and confuse activity with accomplishment. So how do you convey that spirit of we're here to win? No, nothing else is acceptable to your teammates or to someone perhaps who's getting complacent because they're a little older. They don't feel like they have to come to the gym early and, and stay late like you always do. How do you, how do you convey that spirit that we're here to win? That's the only reason why a team is formed is to win and anything else is unacceptable. Yeah, so I would say in high school – versus college is very different. If you're talking about athletes at a high school level, some people are just doing it for the social aspect, being part of a team. Some people are just doing it for activity, things like that. So I think um, if I'm talking to high school teammates, it's talking about goals and buying in, and maybe that's more team activity. So then it's like we're growing closer as a team. So then that can benefit us on the court. But It'd be a lie to say I'm expecting my teammates to go and put in as many hours as I do because they don't love it like I do when it's that type of level. When you're in college and everyone's there for the same purpose, the same reason, and that's to win games, um, it's your job now. It's not just something you do on the side. Basketball is now my job. Um, It's not as much as, oh, let's do all these team gatherings, which has a time and a place and an importance, but now it's like, not only are you competing against each of them for minutes, for time, so then it adds that level of um, intensity, but also, like, I need them to be better in order to make me better, and if everybody's making each other better, we're winning games. So I think, one, if I'm in the gym and people are seeing me in the gym in the mornings before practice or after practice, whatever time, it's making them like, oh, she's in the gym, so I should be in the gym. And someone that was a great example of that to me when I first got to college, like, I was always a gym rat in high school. And then some people get to college and it's like, oh, I made it. Like, this is the goal. Yeah. Now I'm here. And that can cause some complacency. Where I had gr- uh, someone that comes to mind is Brenna Maxwell. She plays for Gonzaga now. She was someone that lived in the gym, lived in the gym. One of the best shooters I've ever met. So what an example to me coming in as a shooter 
being like, that's what it takes. Like it, the work doesn't stop here. And not that I thought it did, but just seeing like how successful she is is because she puts in the work. Um, so that was just a great reminder that Ken, the work's not done. Like you've made it, but now like let's have an impact. I love it. I love it. So Kobe Bryant, interesting. He says Shaquille O'Neal could have been the greatest center who ever played, but he was lazy. And I love the interview with Kobe. The interview started with a video clip of him three on one break, one defender. He's got the ball and he refuses to pass it and takes it all the way to the hoop. And the sportscaster says, Kobe, your reputation is you don't pass. You hoard the ball. And this is the classic example. Why? And Kobe looks in the camera and he says, why should I pass it to somebody who hasn't worked as hard as me? They might miss, and I guarantee I will not because I've shot more more shots than anyone else on the court. Right. So at some point, what you're saying, the exam- example you've set and the intensity to bring it to the court on practice day so that it transposes over into game day is the magic sauce. Yeah, exactly. And that's just something, even this season, um, I've continued to prove myself right. Last season, I started thinking like, the more intense I practice when we're preparing for a team and running through the scout, the better I perform in games. If I just kind of walk through the scout, kind of not give my full effort in film, watching that film on my own, I'm going to be exposed in the game. So that's something that I've really, as I've gotten older and realized the importance of just the little details like that make a big difference come actual game time. So, for example, today we prep for UCLA tomorrow. And you know for a fact that I went through every possession, defended every possession offensively, whether it was 5 on 0 Like, I know what s- screen coverages they're going to be in, so I'm going to, whether it's 5 on 0 I'm going to do my very best to replicate. Even though there's not a defender out there, they're going to be in this certain certain coverage, so I'm going to make sure I treat it that way. So then Absolutely. it's not like I get to the game tomorrow and it's like, oh, like that's shocking when I've already done it yesterday with an imagination. I love it. That is so good. This podcast episode of Power Players with Dan Clark is brought to you by the University of Utah Marketing Department, proud sponsor of University of Utah student athletes. So final final thoughts. So what do you think the, and that's kind of a tough question because it might change as you walk to your car. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm ready. What's the one? What's the one quality? The one mindset? The one principle that you think has helped you become the finest young woman that you are today? You're the same off the off the floor as you are on the floor. Your parents are so proud. We're all proud, and you're so amazing. So, what do you think? If you could boil it down to one character trait, one one attribute, one quality what do you think it is that has allowed you to be that superstar on the floor and especially the superstar off the floor honestly I don't think my answer is ever going to change to this question and that would be hard work Um, like that's something that I've talked about instilled in me from the beginning of my life but whether that's in life you have a job someone's ahead of you you need to like you want to be where they're at you're not just going to wish that and have it happen. It's going to take work and transfer that to sports. Of course, that transfers. Someone's ahead of me. Someone has what I want. Like, it's not just going to be handed to you. That's not how life works. So just if I outwork my competitors, life isn't always fair, and sometimes it might not always work out how you want it to, even though you put in the work, which is a lesson I've learned, like, recently is I've always thought if I work hard, it just happens. No. Like, you can work hard, but sometimes life's unfair, and it just doesn't end up 
but I know I'm going to have no regrets if I put in the work to have me get there. And if it doesn't work out, I did, I did what I could. If I didn't work as hard as I could and then I didn't get it, then I'd always wonder what if I would have done that differently. But if I can work hard and be consistent with that, most of the time life works out. And if it doesn't, it goes the way it's supposed to. That's good. So would it be fair for me to summarize what you've been teaching us during this this interview? That uh, as long as you leave it all on the court, in practice first and then in a game, you ought to be able to walk off the court and have someone not know what the score is and could not tell by your demeanor, your countenance, or your class whether or not you won or lost because you know you left everything you had on the court and and gave it everything you had when less would be sufficient. That's perfect. I love it. Kennedy McQueen, she represents us Ute fans as families, our state, our culture at the highest level. It's been an honor to have you on my podcast again. So we'll do this again and again. Awesome. It's been awesome. And when you're rich and famous, you better remember me. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. This is Dan Clark signing off with uh, Power Players with Dan Clark, another amazing University of Utah student-athlete. And uh, with all due respect to everyone else I've interviewed, Kennedy just might be my favorite because you really do exemplify everything that makes us the best we can be. You know, vision, dreams, and then you back it up with hard work. And if that doesn't work, then you work harder than you worked before. Exactly. Thank you. I, I think that's sweet. You have a good night, but before we we uh, we sign off, how do we follow you on Instagram, on 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 social media, the NIL? Who's going to step up and buy her a new car? I mean, let's just <laughs> cut right to the chase. Yeah, so everything of my social media <laughs> is just Kennedy underscore McQueen. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. I've always wanted mine to be Stud Muffin Hunk of Burn of Love, but <laughs> I don't think Instagram allows that many letters, so I've got to think of something else. That sounds good to me. Okay, so what's your favorite food? What's your favorite car? In case somebody out there in an NIL experience wants to just, you know, float you like a year, free free year at their restaurant or a free, free uh, you know, motocross, bike, whatever you want. <laughs> favorite food, I would probably say I'm a big chicken fan, especially crispy chicken sandwiches. I love yeah. crispy chicken sandwiches and a steak. I love steak, of course. That's a pretty... So who would be an NIL that you want to suck up to right now, like Texas Roadhouse? Uh, That's my absolute favorite. Really? Texas Roadhouse. And for special occasions, of course, like Ruth's Chris. But that's, oh, yeah. That's expensive. So that's no, 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 no. They need occasions. to step up. Can you imagine if you had like a full year supply of Ruth's Chris steaks and then you remembered your favorite podcast I, host and said, hey. Yeah, you get a big <laughs> shout out. I'd take you with me. But Ruth's Chris, that would be crazy. But Texas Roadhouse, I love Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. And uh, what is it called up Weber Canyon? The Little Chicken Inn or something that's kind of oh, in your town? Chicken Col- Inn. Yeah, the Chicken yes. Inn by Colville or That's someplace. the best chicken sandwich ever. See, we're starting to suck up. Come on, step up here, I'm NIL. Not just, I'm not even just saying that. <clears throat> I love and, uh, that. And I go like that she still has some chicken right here yeah. right for our interview. <laughs> thank you, thank you. There you have it. Dan Clark, Power Players with Kennedy McQueen. What's your number on your jersey? 24. 24 on a jersey number one in your heart. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.